Welcome into the Sports Insanity Podcast. Let's go completely insane, peeps! And good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time zone you are in. I'm Bill Murphy. I am Lawrence Patchman Lang. Danny, boy, Reginald here. And welcome to the Sports Insanity Podcast, Episode 9. Dang, episode. we've been doing this for almost two months already. Yeah. Double, digit, double digits next week. I can't wait. We're next week, our show is turning the big 1-0. Wow, I can't believe we've been doing this for about two months now. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, um, we got a great show for you today, don't we? Yes, sir. It's a fabulous show. You know, lots to discuss, but before we get to that, Bill, I think you got to introduce somebody. Yeah, well, let me give a quick rundown. We have Danny Arnos joining us in a second. He's going to be talking about his nonprofit organization, Family Ballpark Memories, we're going to talk about Major League, the never-ending struggle of Major League Baseball trying to restart. We're going to talk about the NFL restarting and the thing that's going to put Reggie into an early grave, Jamal Adams. Of course, of course, of course. And some other stuff. If we get to it, we get to it. If we don't, there's always next week. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Uh, so I'll introduce this person. Please, he's your, he's your friend. My buddy, Bud. My buddy, Bud. He just started a foundation called Family Ballpark Memories. Uh, he, it's an organization that's going to help low-income families go to ball games. It could be football, it could be baseball, it could be hockey, whatever. And uh, he joins us right now. Daniel Aarons, everybody. Daniel Aaron's come in. Hey. Wow. Hello, Dan. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here, man. How's it going? Pretty good. It's, you know, it's a crazy time we're living for right now with no sports going on and everything like that. But thankfully, I'm safe. I'm in a position where I can put some good into the world and focus on getting my nonprofit off the ground. That's amazing. So, so uh, Dan, before we begin, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So a little background on myself. I graduated college two years ago. I studied public relations. And throughout my time in college, I was very involved in a few on-campus organizations. I ran philanthropy through my fraternity. In the last two years, I've been working in the nonprofit sector. So I got the opportunity to work for organizations that make a great difference. And it led to an inspiration that I eventually wanted to start my own charity. And not having any sports right now led to me realizing, one, how much I miss sports. And then, two, how fortunate I am to have such great memories surrounded by sports. And that realization turned into a larger focus that not everyone is as fortunate as I am. Like some people never got to go and see their favorite teams play. And that's sort of where Family Ballpark Memories was born. So when did you decide to start this? 
about a month ago. So it's a brand new project. It's something that I've been working on nonstop and I'm pretty proud of all of the growth we've accomplished so far. So, I mean, you, and then first of all, this is very close to me because, you know, growing up, you know, I didn't really have a lot of chances myself to, you know, go to these ball games because of money, you know, back in the day, you know, we weren't making much of a buck. So the fact that, you know, the organization like this exists is kind of cool to be honest with you and uh, much needed and a good, an idea that no one would ever think of, like no one really talks about this. So why bring it up now? Like why now? I guess now, one, people realize how much they miss sports. It's timely in a sense. I know we probably won't be able to send people out to ballparks and stadiums until 2021, 2022, but it's timely right now. You have people thinking, oh, I miss having my baseball team to watch this time of the year or all of that. And also, now I have the time, unfortunately. I was working for a nonprofit organization and I was let go due to costs with COVID. So I have the time to focus the energy on this project right now. So it seems like the perfect window. That sounds perfect. You turned something negative into positive, something to do during this crazy time. Of course, there's only so much time you can spend playing video games before you get numb in the mind. Now, were you like, were you just like reading into this? Because it's like, it's unbelievable how many people you think of that don't really get this opportunity to start something and do something for a good cause and to reach out to those that, you know, are less fortunate that don't really get to have those family memories. You know, like I told you, you know, my most of my ballpark memories are with my friends because, you know, my family, we, we never go together. You know, sports was only a thing between me and my brother. So the fact that I get to bond with my friends is amazing, but families would benefit from this, don't you think? I have to agree. Just the fact that going out to a ball game could be two, three, four hundred dollars if you throw on the cost of transportation, food, and everything on top of that. And it's really cost prohibitive to create an organization that just focuses on relaxation and something that so many people take for granted and provide that there is a lapse in the marketplace. You have a group like Make-A-Wish that focuses on creating phenomenal experiences for those who are terminally ill and they do great work, but nobody thinks about the organ. Nobody thinks about the less fortunate and how can we create an experience for them to just lift them up in their everyday life. And that's sort of what I wanted to do. So that's why your organization, it, the target is low income families. Of course, with with low-income families, people are willing to help them have access to food, have them give them access to shelter, clothing, whatever, but they don't realize that there's a third part of life where you have to have relaxation, you have to have something to look forward to. There seems to be that drop-off. Yeah, I hate to turn this into a whole socioeconomic conversation here, but it's like people don't people only think for people who are low incomes, like, okay, you know what, let's just provide them the necessities. If they can't go to, you know, ball games, they can't do the Disney World, not our problem. Of course, it's not something that you quote unquote need to live, but it's such a rewarding part of life having those experiences. Oh, totally. And you know, the the fact that in this country alone, we only focus on giving them all the necessities, but not any lifetime experiences to get them out of that bubble for just a little bit 
you know, it's quite fascinating how people just sort of just ignore it and throw it to the side and not even think about, you know, what's cool for a day, you know, or what's cool for a week, you know, to give them that you know, little edge to be happy and forget about their part of life just a bit. Of course, leisure is important. Leisure should be part of the basic necessities of life. Okay. Um, so how do you, so when this foundation is getting off the ground, how do you expect this to work? How do you expect to get tickets? So I expect to get tickets in one of three ways. I plan on using a substantial part of my budget each year just to buy blocks of tickets and then distribute them to low-income areas by working with partnering schools and social service industries. So we're going to buy tickets to make sure that even if nobody donates tickets, we still fulfill our mission. Then we're going to try and work with teams and leagues directly and have them donate tickets. And then also with individuals, there's plenty of people that list their tickets on a site like StubHub, Ticketmaster, whatever. And instead of listing them just to cover your loss, maybe we can work with those individuals and they can donate directly. So we plan on using those free ways to acquire tickets. Yeah. Now, now of course, you want to, you know, target the low-income neighborhoods as well. It's not just individual families. Of course. Uh, will that involve also, you said you involve like the schools or, you know, your local representatives of those neighborhoods to get involved as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, as much as, you know, your organization, you want to do this as much as possible on your own, you need a little help there. Of course. So we plan on partnering with organizations that focus on family development, organizations that focus on low-income services, and just creating as strong a coalition as possible. Oh, Pat, you got something? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just very intrigued. It's a, I like this. It's really a great cause to help low-income families. You know, most people don't have the op. Some people, like you said, don't like. I know you grew up, you didn't have the opportunity to go many times. So it's a great cause to help people that don't have the chance to say, "Hey, let's go to Yankee Stadium," because you know Yankee Stadium is very expensive to go to these days. Yeah, for, for those of you listening, we just lost Bill, so he'll be back in a second. But uh, I also want to just uh, go off of you, Patchy. You know, it is expensive just to go for a day to a ballpark, you know, because you got to cover transportation, you got to cover food, you got to cover tickets. And obviously the tickets in this case would, you know, be free for those people going. But, you know, other costs, it may be really difficult. So Because you look, okay, hey, ticket. 40 bucks, uh, we'll, we'll go hypothetical here. We'll go like, all right, tickets, hey, $80, $80 a piece to uh, sit up in left field. You go with a family of four, there's X amount right there. Then you got to, you know, concessions are outrageous. And if you got to pay for parking too, that's like another 20, 25 bucks out of your pocket. Hey, sorry about that. All right, we got Bill back. That's cool. My, uh, uh, my internet sucks, so. All right, so bring me back up to speed. What were we talking about before I blacked out? I mean, Not that way, guys. <laughs> it's it's all good. We, we it's were only just, one o'clock, guys. Come on, five o'clock somewhere. We were we were just uh, talking about how expensive it is to actually go to a ball game, and and it's more than just the tickets. You also got to think about um, you also got to think about you know like concessions itself, right? Like you go to. All of us have been to Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. It's like freaking $9 for a hot dog. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. Five dollars for a water bottle. Here in the dollars um, for a beer. Yeah. If you know, what'd you say for a beer? Wait, uh, or am I thinking of different types of beer? I said eleven dollars. Maybe I'm thinking of because there's different. There are types that are more expensive there. Try like thirteen at Yankee Stadium. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But but I mean, part of this uh, venture that you have, uh, Dan, is the fact that you are going to provide them not just with the tickets, but also with the food and merchandise. Of course. Part of being a fan is going and having your Saquon Barkley jersey on a Sunday or being in Yankee Pinstripes or just being able to show off your team of talent. I know when I was a little kid, one of my greatest memories is when the Yankees first called up Jabba. And my dad waited online at Models to get me a number 62 Yankee jersey. That's awesome. The positive experience of that and being able to wear it to school the next day is so cool. But you don't realize $100 on a jersey could be the difference that someone might not be able to get a new pair of shoes or a winter coat. It's expensive, and I think it's an integral part of blending into a culture and creating more economic opportunities. Because, like, I, yeah, trust me, I remember when I went to my very first Yankee game. It's like that experience. I'm like, wow. And you just don't realize it. And then, of course, you know, you want to go to a game where you can rep your gear. You know, you want to go to a Met game and you want to wear Mets colors. You want to go to a Jet game, you want to wear Jet colors. Devils games, you want to wear Devils colors. So, you know, it's important for that as well. And obviously, it's, it's cool that you're doing it. Now, of course, uh, you say you're accepting donations. As of now, is that the case? Are you accepting as of now, or is it still like a rough not, time? We're not in a stage in terms of charitable status yet to collect donations. We're still waiting on 501c for status. So in that's terms right. of getting people to donate and contribute, that's going to have to wait a little bit. We're focused on building a brand right now getting people excited. And then when it comes time to raise money, we'll be in a position where we have a strong following in place. So can you explain for those who don't know what 501c3 means? So 501c3 status is in the eyes of the law, you're a charitable organization. It means you're exempt. So if you would contribute to my organization or any other charitable organization, if I have 501c3 status, you would be able to declare that on your taxes and get a little bit of a tax break. Yeah, and uh, 501c3s are very important because, you know, it it allows nonprofits like yours to grow and to be able to provide the resources that you want to provide and target the people you want to target. Of course. So how long do you think it's going to be before you are considered 501c3? The IRS is unpredictable. The hope is within three to six months, but we're still brand new. We're still growing. So even if we're not at this age by the end of the year, we're laying all of the important groundwork. We've built our initial board of directors. We filed for incorporation. We've made a lot of progress. So even if we don't hit that last step in 2020, there's a lot to be proud of. Yeah, and me in such short timing, the fact that you're already making these moves is very important and you know again we people are going to rely on the organizations like this uh but you say you're building up a staff you already have a staff of three to kind of tell us a little more about them so i'm lucky to have two people working with me on a volunteer basis right now i have one of my fraternity brothers kenny D'Amico, who 
graduated this past May. He's handling her social media. He's working on some digital content. And he's just someone who I've known <laughs> three, four years now. He succeeded me in all of my leadership positions on campus. And I'm fortunate to be in a position to really teach him everything I've learned in the nonprofit sector and have some help. And then I have Greg Rappi helping out with operations and admin. I'm not really the best in terms of paperwork and the basic eye to detail of operations. So having someone to look over things and just keep me focused on what we need to do one day at a time as opposed to five months down the line is important right now. Yeah, it's cool. And they're doing it on a volunteer basis, you just said. Of course. Right now, none of us are getting paid. We have no assets as an organization, but we have a dream in place and we understand what we can develop into. Yeah, I remember when I was working for a nonprofit over in Detroit, you know, I was just a part of a small part of a very small staff, but, you know, I wasn't getting paid much either. So, you know, nonprofit life, especially if you're just developing and you're growing, it, it can be really tough. Um, but, you know, if you keep up with your goals, it can certainly be successful. Someone who works at a nonprofit, yeah, I agree. It's just want to give a lesson to people. You're not going to get rich working at a nonprofit. It is very rewarding. Okay. My next question is, um, are you expecting just to be New York area for now or? That's a great question. Right now I'm focused on growing internally and obviously being based in New York, that will help me with connections and meeting people in the New York area. But part of our long-term plan is to work in cities such as Detroit, Chicago, and a few other low-income cities throughout the country. But for now, we're going to focus on New York. We're going to get our program off the ground, and hopefully we can move to a few more cities and set up satellite locations as well. I mean, New York is a pretty big market, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah, starting nine teams in the tri-state you know so that that's that's a good launching point for an organization that's trying to you know bring families to stadiums and arenas to watch games okay this may sound like a bit of a weird question but just bear with me who are you expecting to be like your most requested team if you had to guess that's a great question and to be honest i'm gonna have to say one of the football teams football games are extremely there's only eight home games and a lot of people have never been to a football game, including higher income status families. So I'm going to have to go with one of the two football teams. So either Giants or Jets. Oh, wait, there's three New York football teams. <laughs> um, there's only one. There's only one. Two playing Jersey. Three. Uh, three, Patch. Three. three. You're outnumbered here, Bob. Look at location on where MetLife Stadium is. It is in Jersey. But in the New York City area, it's not They're that considered far. New York City ah, area team. Ah, it's ma, ma, malarkey. away at the most. Malarkey. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not having this debate right now with the we have a spe- we have a great guest here. We're, we're not getting sidetracked on this. But I'm sure the guests would side with us on this one. I would call the Bills their own little world. I went to college in upstate New York, and I don't think many people here for the Buffalo Bills consider them to be the tri-state area. So you would say one of the football teams, and I can agree with that because I think baseball, there's more opportunities because there's how many, like 80 home games? 81, yeah. 
Baseball is also not as popular with the younger demographic. At least now, not like it used to be. I sorry, I cut you off, Daniel. Oh, good. And then I guess the other team to keep an eye on might be the Brooklyn Nets. They have two of the top fifteen players in the world. Both will be healthy next year, hopefully. So that would be my best guess to this. Yeah, and then go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. Jeez. I know who would be the least requested team. The Knicks. Why would they be the least? Everyone goes to the Garden. True. It's a sellout crowd every time. It's crazy, right? And the Knicks stink. So the Knicks stink, but people still go to the Madison Square Garden because the tickets are probably dirt cheap at that point. It's not exactly. even that. Exactly. But you never know. Barclays Center. You know, it's right smack down in downtown Brooklyn, and a lot of low-income families live in Brooklyn. And the Nets are starting to gain traction because of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You know, obviously, you know, I, I, as a Knicks fan, it, it hurts me to watch that. But, you know, it, that's a, that could be a very good launching point, too. The fact that you have two major sports stars in your borough representing a team that plays in your borough. And, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, I agree. It's going to be exciting in Brooklyn this upcoming fall or winter whenever the NBA is resuming. Yeah, well, they're trying to get – up and running now, but I don't know if that's the case. Uh, so you started this organization in 2020. Think a few years down the road, maybe 2025, 2030. What's the ultimate goal? What do you see this organization looking like? How do you see it growing? You know, what's the ultimate goals here? What do you see? That's an awesome question. And I guess first and foremost, by that time, we hope to have impacted at a minimum 50,000 families, giving them the opportunity all over the country, whether it be Los Angeles, New York, Vegas now, with the Raiders and the Knights there, giving close to 50,000 families the opportunity to go and root for their favorite team. We would love to just be one of the household names in the nonprofit sector. Everybody knows what Make-A-Wish is. Everybody knows what St. Jude is. We would love to have that recognition and I'd be a little selfish not to say I'd love a corner office with my name on the door. That's something that would mean a lot to me. But in the most part, if we get, just get to create positive experiences and continue to grow and set up the right partnerships with teams and leagues and notable athletes, that's the long-term plan. Would you be like having set goals for certain cities or would it just be, you know, as a whole? like As a whole. Okay. Because I know like, you know, certain cities, you know, it might be a little easier to go to a ball game. Of course. People. So that's what you got to keep in mind. But I just wanted to make sure that question, because, you know, it it is pretty hard. If you go to like Los Angeles or New York or Seattle, even, you know, difficult. Mm -hmm. But that's our goal to create as many positive experiences for as many people as possible. So um, we're, we've been talking mainly professional sports. Would you be interested in reaching out to maybe like the college or the minor league markets as well? We are interested in reaching out to the minor league markets, being able to create those initial partnerships, especially from the beginning when we're small is so important. And most of those stadiums don't urge full capacity. So I'm sure they'll be willing to work with us, get people out to the ballpark, get people out to the arena and focusing on that. College athletics is also on our radar. I know so many people who love college football. They love college basketball. 
and just being able to tap into that market as well. I think there's a lot of room for collaboration. Exactly. I think we just lost Bill again. Yeah, I mean, the college scene especially because, you know, these are young people and they're, they one day may become professionals. So you never really know. You may build up on those relationships. And I kind of want to sort of get into that as well. Would it also involve meeting athletes? That's part of our long-term plan. I think it would be great if we can take families out to the ballpark. They get a chance to have true access, get to meet their favorite players, get to go on the field, throw out a first pick, something like that. But that comes as we grow, as we continue to build those relationships. It's part of our vision. It's something we would love to do. But I don't know from the beginning if we'll be at that point just yet. And I mean, that's fair because, you know, again, you're, you're pretty small now, but, you know, I'm just saying, cause that, that would just put the icing on the cake. Of course. So uh, while we wait for Bill to come back, we apologize. His internet connection is a little, you know, iffy. So uh, I know it's small right now and it's not, you're not really doing much to, um, you know, spread the war. Oh, you, you are. You have an Instagram. Is that correct? You that post pictures correct. all the time. Yeah. We do post pictures all the time. Now, what? I mean, which is fantastic. Yeah. How many people have responded to all that? Our response rate has been pretty impressive. So, one of the things we've been doing is we've been looking up hashtags and then location checkings and just reaching out to people, seeing if they might be interested in sharing your story and getting involved, even if it's as simple as posting a picture of them at a Nick game on our Instagram feed and Facebook page. Just by getting people engaged in that way is putting us in the back of their mind. They're saying, oh, guess what? That's a cool organization. I haven't heard of them before. So that's what we're focusing on right now in our social media strategy. So, um, okay. Again, to our audience, I'm sorry I keep going in and out. Um, it's not my fault. So this is pretty basic question. How can people help with this organization? So from the beginning, they can just follow us on social media. It's at Family Ballpark Memories on both Facebook and Instagram. Just by helping us grow our following and sharing our content. We've put out a few blogs that I think are pretty well written. I'm a little biased because I wrote them, but just reading our content and being able to stay engaged and informed of what we're doing. Yeah. Well, so- well- Will um, people be able to contribute to those blogs? Like eventually, would you want maybe someone that's participated in the program? I would love to. I would love to get first-hand stories. Part of our plan is to create videos once we start taking people out to ballparks and stadiums and just capturing those moments and using that as content. We're open for as much collaboration as possible. I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to pretend that idea, but I'm open to working with people and then creating content for multiple different channels and getting as many voices heard. Hey, and we have a platform here if you need to come on and promote more. I appreciate that. We will offer you an open invitation. <laughs> awesome. So what is it? Familyballparkmemories.com? Dot org. Dot org. Uh, all the information is over there and obviously we will we'll put a link in the description yep we'll we'll uh, 
Do you have a Twitter? You don't have a Twitter yet, right? I do not use Twitter, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. We'll, we'll put your Instagram for sure. And, of course, your Facebook link so people can uh, check it out a little bit. It's, a, it's pretty cool. And if you actually go on the website, I actually featured as one of the people who are there. And Bill is there, too. Um, so um, if you uh, want to check it out, that's that's pretty cool. It's a, it's a nice picture. It was when we were in the judges' chambers, Bill. Oh, yes. That game was – I remember uh, – Matter of fact, I'm going to tell that story just really quickly. Go um, ahead. It was last year. We were with our friend Ross, who we've mentioned more than once on this show. Yeah, and if you actually go to the picture, you'll see what he looks like. So that Yeah, so uh, Ross, if you're listening, shout out. When yeah. the NHL starts, we'll have you on. If but, it um, starts. So, we, so, Reg, you had a standing room only ticket. Yep. And uh, Ross and I had bleacher tickets. And Ross and I, and Ross says to me, let's see if we can try to get into the judges' chamber. And I'm like, I don't know. They pick randomly, but hey, give it a try, as my mother always said. Better to try and fail than to not try at all. Worst they can say is no. Worst they can say is no. So we're standing there, and Ross talks to the attendant and says, hey, can we get in? And then she says, it's not my decision. And then the guy who, he goes, it's his. Be cool. And the guy is there. It's like trying to talk to a bouncer. He comes over. He looks at us. He's like, hello, gentlemen. I'm like, hello. He goes, you guys want to get in, don't you? And we're like, yes. He's like, okay, give me your wrist. He said, hey, we have another friend of ours. He's a standing room only ticket. I mean, Reg here. Um, can he get in too? He goes, only one friend? I'm like, yes, yeah. Sure, get him down here. And I called you and I said, Reg, we just got into the judges' chamber. We talked to the guy. They said you can come in. Get down here. And I was thrilled because it was hot that day, and I was not about standing in these – because, you know, in Yankee Stadium, they have these standing room sections, so you can just stand there and watch the game, which for the most part I do because, you know, I can't afford sitting at a ballpark. But, you know – when you're when it's hot and you know you want to sit down and cool off, you know it's hard to do that. So the fact that they were able to get those judges' chambers tickets, and we had the I still have my robe. I still I have, have my, my robe too. Robe. It's in my closet somewhere. I have not taken it out since. I think one day when we have a show, we should just sit here and wear the judges' robes while we do the show. Yeah, totally. I'll just wear you- my. I'll just wear my World Series stuff from last year. Oh, geez. Patch with the, the Washington Nationals. Hey, he, he's, he's supporting his team, and he's happy they won a World Series. Listen, got- listen, I've been through heartache with that team. It's, it's not like I'm a Yankee fan where I can brag about 27 rings every time. 27 rings. Go, baby. It's the, it's the, it's you the only need ball. 26 more to catch up, Patch. You only need 26 more. Uh, <laughs> at least my team can win one in the last We decade. have fun here. God. But, um, so, so, Dan, what, what are your, like, early memories going to the ballpark? I know you say you went to them a lot growing up. So what, what's your early memories? And, of course, you know, like, do you still go with your family? I guess one of my earliest memories was a Yankee Red Sox game in the summer of 2003. It must have been a 100-degree day. I don't necessarily remember the outcome of the game, who pitched, who won. But I remember just the ice cream. I remember the heat and leaving the stadium with a little stuffed monkey and pinstripes of interlocking NY. That's one of my earliest memories. 
And I still go to the ball. I still go to games with my dad. We have giant season tickets. So it's something we look forward to every Sunday, even mm-hmm. if the Giants don't play defense anymore. But it's still fun to just be out there and have that time with my dad. Is it fun watching Saquon run the way he does? It's great watching Saquon Barkley. I love Saquon. But oh, I, I love him too. He's awesome. I still wish the Giants did not draft him. They could have used that pick for something a little more useful than a running Sam back. Darnold. But he's a generational talent. But hey, I'll take Saquon. I love him. Hey, you know what? I, I know I just bragged about the quarterback they should have taken, but, you know, Daniel Jones, very exciting, so. Danny Dines. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Stop with that. My dad's the same way with that. That, that. that is so stupid to say at the moment. No, like when I watch games, I'm like, Danny Dimes. And my dad's like, please stop. Yeah. That is the dumbest thing ever. My dad got to love you. Reg, what's your earliest ballpark memories? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess it was a minor league game, maybe. I went to Long Island Ducks. That, that was Long Island Ducks. It was, but it was rained out, so we didn't get to see the game. Um, I think we may have gone to another one that was made up or something. But, yeah, my earliest memory was going to a Long Island Ducks game. Uh, I forget where it's located. Um, I mean, you're probably more used to the area, Dan. We know where Long Island yeah. Ducks play? In Beth Page. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was my early memory going to a ball game. And the Long Island Ducks games are pretty fun, you know, like – I was I was into it. Yeah. Patch, what's yours earliest? Um, minus going to countless Renegade games when I was little. The most recent memory, like not the most recent, but like the youngest memory I can remember was I went to a Yankee game in either O two or O three, and you know, post nine eleven, it was the day that like they grounded the ball eagle. So and that was like my earliest memory of going to a Yankee game, but then I've been to countless others. I was there one day when um, Jeter and A-Rod went back to back off each other. And the most recent memory I have, I went to, I went to the Bill Giants game this past year. Me too. Where, where, where the Bills went off on the Giants and everyone, you know, you got the poster at when you were leaving of like the roster and people were just ripping them up everywhere. Really? And they, they, they got it and they went, this team sucks. So I'm like, no, I'm just going to gather these all from my friends that are Giants fans. So I, I got like seven or eight of them. <laughs> and get oh, them to my friends good. that are Giants fans. That's yeah. Um, my one, I told you, the first one I went to was Yankee Red Sox 2002. I remember Alfonso Soriano in 11 innings got the um, game-winning double. Dope. And also I remember um, I went to Derek Jeter's 2000 hit game. Hmm. Okay. That's that was nice. And I remember, I was like literally, this is the old Yankee Stadium, I was literally like five rows away from first base. It was amazing. Yeah. So, uh, our, Ian, our, um, I saw... Boy, I'm sorry, right. what were you no, 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 don't, don't mind me. I'm thinking of something else. Um, so, Dan, um, I heard on a recent interview you did um, that you were saying with the ballpark, the ballparks you got to go to, uh, what ballparks have you been to? Let me think. I've been to quite a few. I can tell you my favorite ballpark. That might be a little easier. 
Okay, so, what's your favorite ballpark? We'll ask that question. I got on Chicago, and I went to both Wrigley, and I went to where the White Sox play. Where oh, White- I would kill to go to Wrigley Field. Where, but where the White Sox play, whatever they're calling it now, is you. I think it's like Guarantee Rate yeah. Field, something like that. That was the nicest ballpark I've been to. It had the perfect mix of modern, but it still had a lot on White Sox history. It was just a fun atmosphere. I know anyone who goes to Chicago will tell you Wrigley is the best, but I really loved, I guess, whatever it's called now, Guaranteed Rate Field. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I mean, when you think of Chicago, you don't really think of going to a White Sox thing, you think about going to Wrigley Field because Wrigley Field has been around for a hundred years or so. And, you know, that's like that mainstay, you know, it's like that ballpark, that legendary ballpark that people want to go to. So, yeah, I mean, I could see why uh, people would want to say Wrigley, but totally, I mean, I, I would kill to go to a White Sox game too. I would love to go to the South Side. It was yeah. cool. I saw Chris Sale and Corey Kluber pitch that day, so quite the pitching matchup. Outside, um, outside of the Yankees, I think my two favorite ballparks I've been to, um, Camden Yards in Baltimore. Dan, have you been there? I have not been to Camden Yards in Baltimore. I've been to Camden. It's a beautiful ballpark. Beautiful right on the water. I've only been there once or twice, but the first time I went um, was when Vlad Sr. was on – the O's, and you just seen the dugout Vlad Jr. hanging out. And um, another great ballpark, um, Rogers Center in Toronto. I've been there. It's a fun ballpark. Oh, that that ballpark. I, I actually just went last summer. That that place is beautiful. I went a few years ago, and the Blue Jays were still really good and coming off their playoff run, and it was sold out. You hit a home run, they'd blow the horn. It's a fun atmosphere there. I got to tell you, it's like I went to actually back-to-back games. One game I went with, you know, my mom, my dad, my brother. Second game, I just went me and my brother. And because I've told this story before, my dad was like, do you two want to go to the game? And mom and I could just go. Oh, well, that was a good story. I, we, we lost him again. <laughs> well, well it, it, I, I can explain. I can explain it real quick. Um, but going off Bill, like his parents asked him, which guys would go to the game? And they're like, yeah, because his parents wanted to go do some do something of their own while they were in Toronto. And then Bill went to back-to-back games to short and sweet it. But we can have him finish it when he comes back. And then to go off me, you know, I loved, I loved old Yankee Stadium. It was a beautiful ballpark. I've been to new Yankee Stadium, City Field. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, the old Yankee Stadium is not really – doesn't really have that same, you know, atmosphere like that the old Yankee team had. No. It's, and then, um, but like to go off my favorites, um, you know, I, um, my two favorites are probably National Stadium, of course, since I root for them. And then I would probably say City Field. City, City. Field, City, City, better, City Field beautiful. is beautiful. It's a, it's, and then, to be honest with you, it's a better ballpark than Yankee Stadium. And the then. The first time I was in uh, Detroit for a um, bowling tournament for Nationals, I went to Comerica, uh, Comerica Park when it just opened. It was the first season of it. Comerica is beautiful as well. I and, love Comerica. And then when you drove by the old stadium, you just saw the cranes tearing down the old stadium. So I got to see some of the old stadium being teared down where they used to play. Interesting. But that was many moons ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like everyone says, I want to go to Wrigley one day, but also I want to go out to L.A. and go to Dodger Stadium along with Fenway. Because they're just they're they're history historic teams been around forever. Okay, we we are having trouble getting Bill back up and running. So um, 
we'll just uh, move on without him. But first of all, uh, thank you for coming out. Repeat the website again. Familyballparkmemories.org. All right, cool. Go on there, check it out. It's a great organization. Uh, starting up again, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's only a couple months old, so, you know, get it up while you can and enjoy it. The ride. Um, obviously, uh, this is a good thing that you're doing, Dan. So we appreciate you yeah. coming on, taking a few moments and speaking about it. Would you like to stay around to talk more stuff? I'll stay around. Let's have some fun. All, All right, right, cool. So we do have um, some news coming in from baseball this week and we had a live show um, believe Monday or Tuesday. I don't remember. Uh, uh, Tuesday. When Tuesday, um, Monday. What, Monday. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, one okay, so what we, uh, Regardless. Okay. We, we I'm moved, sorry. We, was... we, we moved on. Don't worry about it, Bill. It's all good. Um, okay. I hate my internet right now. <laughs> oh, Getting it fixed tomorrow. So hopefully yeah. we won't have any of these problems. So tales anyway, of I'm bad sorry. internet. Tales of bad internet. Um, News is coming out from baseball lately about a potential season. And, of course, you know, we were getting excited. We we started the week thinking, well, the players just want to play. So the players and all everyone, you know, from Trout to Pete Alonzo, all those people were just saying, just tell us when and where. Where are we going to play? You know, just do it. We don't care about negotiations anymore. Negotiations aren't going anywhere. So, you know, that happens. And then, of course, we have that bombshell from Manfred, which says they have to waive their right to file a grievance. And that was problematic. And then, uh, of course, we had that live show talking about that. And it was just. Which we just went off on Rob Manfred. We were Rob and the players, too, because the players, you know, they haven't been negotiating in good faith either. So it, it's been pretty tough. I'll um, I'll say it again. Shoot, I'm drawing a blank. I'll say it again. No one is innocent right now. No, not one person. And um, but luckily later on that week, we there were some type of negotiations going on, and right now they're stuck, pretty much ten games apart. Players want seventy. Owners want sixty. Either way, they're getting full prorated salaries. So it's uh. Yeah, I don't know where we stand anymore. I mean, how has this affected you, uh, Dan? Because I know you know you're you like me are huge baseball fans. Um, what's your thoughts on the players and the owners uh, going at it with all this drama, trying to get a season to start up amid a pandemic? It's sad. Nobody wants to see millionaires fight with billionaires. And baseball have great opportunity this year with nothing going on, people stuck at home to just really grow their brand and provide some comfort for this horrible time and they drop the ball. It's upsetting. And people Literally. remember it. People remember the public disputes between millionaires and billionaires. And if we don't get baseball this year, it'll be in the back of people's mind moving forward. Yeah, we, we drew a lot of comparisons to 1994 when they had their labor dispute. Obviously, um, this was there was no pandemic going on. But, you know, we drew a lot of comparisons and we all believe this is worse because, you know, the fact of the matter is you're taking this time of hardship across the United States of America to figure out your labor issues. And that's not a good look for anyone in baseball. 
is not a good look for the players, especially now ever since they rejected the last one and proposed 70 games. You know, they were telling us when and where. Well, now they're losing that PR battle because the owners just said, here you go. Here's 60 games. We're giving you a full prorated. And they and they were able to uh, give in to the full prorated salary, but it still wasn't enough. So, so we, want se- we want 70 games. And yeah. Manfred said no. And it's like, just take – let's meet in the middle. Let's go 65. But the, 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 but the owners don't want to do 65. They want to do 60. I'll be honest, I'm getting really sick of talking about this because it's like nothing's happening. Well, stuff yeah. is happening. You know what I mean. It's like – Well, I mean, owners, again – We want to play could, them all. They could have okay? – Players, we want to play too. Okay, let's play 60 games. Let's play 70. Not happening. Again, they had a chance to strike a deal. And Manfred, honestly, should when the players just said when and where, they should have just scheduled the season right there. Be like, okay, you want to just play? We'll just give you the least amount of games. You're going to do 50. You're going to have the expanded playoffs. You're not going to get your full parade salary. It is what it is. This is what it is. And the fact that the players still are fighting back in these negotiations is quite upsetting, you know. You know, and and they they had it right there. They were winning, but they they don't know how to execute well. No I one agree. knows how to negotiate well, and clearly the the players are just being ridiculous at this point. And if you ask me, they're the ones losing the battle. And you have anything to say on this matter? I agree. At this point, either come to terms with an agreement, or let's focus on twenty twenty one. It's June 20th. We'd soon be at the All-Star break. Do we really need to continue fighting out in public? Probably not. And, of course, you know, you're having even bigger problems, and that's the fact that the coronavirus is starting to spread across all the sports. So even if there is an agreement, there still may not be a season because of the fact that cases are growing. Yeah, and that and that's frustrating. I think it was the Phillies, the Blue Jays, and the um, Astros. They're reporting cases. Well, well, like like they were saying, cases were going to spike again. And with now states starting to reopen, and you have certain people that don't want to listen to social distance rules, they're going to mass gather. What's going to happen? Someone's carrying it, and boom, that chain reaction starts, and then everything goes in fuego. Listen, and you know. Reg, you've been saying this for weeks. You've been saying this for weeks, and I'm starting to agree with both of you. Maybe now's not the right time to start back up. Yeah, I mean, especially it's, if you have outbreaks in multiple leagues. Yeah. It's either not start – you just start everything fresh in 2021. You just ax everything. It, it's it's – who cares if there's not a champion for 2020? Yeah, or yeah the, and, and then, the, and then the, the another good thing is that the calendar may not be as affected as they want it to be, you know? So now they can start things on time. Well, you know, I'll give credit to like NBA and NHL. They're trying. They're trying. They're trying, but their cases are going up too. Because NBA is supposed to be playing in Florida, and Florida's cases are spiking. Florida's cases were bound to spike. Yeah. Damn it, Florida. It's, it, it's, it's not that. It's just that the population of Florida and the age group of people that live in Florida are more vulnerable and that's what's causing a mass spike because the elderly are more, are more common to get the coronavirus. Unlike us, even though everyone's, everyone can get it, but the elder elderly are more vulnerable to get it. And 
you look at Florida's population, mostly elderly, and that's just up again. And like, again, and you know, it sounds like all four of us are living in the bubble here because we're all in New York and cases are going down. It can spike again tomorrow. Exactly. And it's like, you know, I've been saying this for weeks. Numbers are going down, but guys, don't, let's not fly the victory flag yet. We can fly the semi-victory flag, but not the full victory flag. Uh, I'm flying no flags yet. No, absolutely not. But the thing is, listen, stuff's starting to open up again. But guys, social distance, wear a mask, wash your hands. And follow the phase guidelines, of course, across New York State. There's many phase guidelines that people have to follow. So, you know, be sure you're following it correctly. And Like Patch and I, where we live, this Tuesday, we're actually going into phase three. Yep. Hurrah. And Reg, this week you guys are going into phase two? Phase two, but I won't experience phase two because I'm going to be away. And, you know, so it's going to be a little weird, but, you know. Yeah, he may or may not be here next week. We'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> totally. Um. Oh, boy, me and Bill are going to run the show for once. It's like old times. Well, old we're going to see what happens. That's an off. We don't discuss business on air. <laughs> I mean, we could discuss business. People, people might not like it for content. See what really goes behind when we kill each other. No, no, guys. We're all really good friends behind closed doors, aren't we, Patch? <laughs> eh, that's debatable. We're, we're, we're all good friends. Oh, we're always good friends. You know that. Depends on which day it is. Depends on the day of the week and my mood. Me too. So, and uh, Dan, where in New York do you live? I'm on Long Island. I went to Newport, so 90% of the population is from Long Island. Um, you guys are going to phase three this week as well, I think. Right? Wednesday, I want to say. We're going in Tuesday, so. But yeah, but what I'm trying to say is, guys, listen, even though things are starting to reopen up, because I know people who are like, yeah, this thing's done. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. Blissful ignorance, isn't it great? <laughs> just, but um, guys, listen again. Just be safe, be smart, and again, and you know this is something I've been struggling with. If you don't feel comfortable going out yet, it's okay. It's okay. Judgment-free zone. Just you know, baby steps. Take it one day at a time. Totally. So we we hope that all the outbreaks going on in the leagues go. Don't continue to spread as much. Because even with the um, NFL that's going on, um, Dr. Fauci, who is a smart dude, he was saying, listen, the NFL can't play unless you guys do the bubble league, which is basically um, players only leave their hotels to go to games and go to practices. Right. And after that, they're just basically stuck in there. Guys, what do you think about that if they did that with football and baseball? That, that would take a big toll on every player and coach's psyche. All right. Dan, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. I know he's still here. Thank you guys for having me. I just saw the message you gave us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have to go, go you, ahead, man. We appreciate you coming on. And uh, again, be safe. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Dan, Great organization. Yep. And if there's any way where we can help with the foundation, please let us or our viewers and listeners know. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. And I look forward to coming back on soon. Okay, familyballparkmemories.com. Org. The org. Sorry, I get those org. Yes. And then, of course, uh, you can find them on Instagram at Family Ballpark Memories, Facebook, Family Ballpark Memories. Uh, follow those two if you can. Have a good one, everyone. All right. All right. See you, Dan. Right. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. He's a great guy. But, um, the bubble leaks are going to take a huge toll. 
it's not it's not even a toll. It's just that you know people are going are people are going from point A to point B to A to B, and it's an endless recycle, endless cycle, and it's taking a toll on me from my point of view. I go I go from here to work to work to home, and I'm kind of getting bored of it. But also my mental mind's taking a toll. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're in a bubble, it's hard to do anything. But, you know, like Dr. Fauci said, maybe necessary for distancing reasons, you know, because, again, you have these ball players that are playing and you're not in really in safe conditions, you know, despite the fact that things may be seen better and it may not seem as dangerous because you can't see a virus, you know, in, can't. in the air. It's really not safe to go out right now. My, my internet, my text message just went off, and we lost Bill. And <laughs> we, we lost, lost Bill. Bill. We lost Bill. And we again. lost Bill. We lost Bill. You know that that's going to be that's going to be a running gag on the show. Someone, mostly Bill, is going to keep running off because of the internet issue. So you are the weakest link. You have the <laughs> weakest internet. Goodbye. <laughs> so we'll try to get him back. We'll try to get him back. So we'll, so to move on. You know, we were discussing baseball. We had a uh, 30 for 30 come out this past week. We did have a 30 for 30 come out. The long forgotten summer. The oh home run God. battle between Sosa and McGuire. Oh, isn't that, I mean, I watched it. I kinda, it's kind of a snooze fest for a little bit, to be honest with you. I mean, overall. It was I mean, a little it was, bit of a snooze fest. You know, it, yeah, it was mean, great. It was but, good, but it wasn't great. Not you great, know? but good. But like it, it dragged on a little bit, and then it's like, all right, just start showing the home runs, and then show. Then it, it would, you know, that that brief span in September, where they're actually going back and forth, we'd be like, all right, McGuire hit fifty nine. No, no, you know, he hit sixty one, and then no, no, take it back. You know, he had like fifty five. Sosa was down at like fifty one, and then it was like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the last two days, you just saw McGuire go off. That was the it. All right, Bill, Bill's back again. We're talking about the 30 for 30, long gone summer. Okay, okay. We're, uh, okay, so, sorry. We're like, I'm all, I'm like all over the place right now here. That's all right. Okay, can somebody just walk me through what just happened here? Um, we're, we're discussing the 30 for 30. We, we, we moved on from talking about the players and the bubble. Okay. Um, we're talking about the 30 for 30. Okay, yeah. I actually watched it and I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. And that was a really, that was the thing that really brought baseball back. It, no, it saved baseball, as the, everyone it says. It saved, saved baseball. You it, didn't bring I mean. it, it didn't bring it back. It saved it. You know, because um, that was four years after the, um, the strike. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, baseball, it, not that it wasn't, like, popular. Right. It certainly was. I mean, if you see the 96 season with the Yankees, like, yep. you know, that, was a, that was a pretty darn good year for baseball. You know, but what I'm trying to say is that it just without that home run chase, baseball would not have been as popular in the 2000s as it became. You know, it sort of struck back with all that because now it became, and, and this is what amazes me. Now everyone's is so obsessed with the home run. Baseballs, like, as they say. Not now, a lot of people were obsessed with the home run back in the day. Nowadays, it's. It's all they want to see. All they want to see is Aaron Judge go deep right. Yep. Because now baseball is a home run heavy game. Well, no. It's always been, but you know what I mean. 
it, yeah. it, it, it gets more and more weird because MLB realizes, hey, we can have more home runs if we alter the ball a little bit. And sure enough, they admit it to juicing balls. <laughs> That's oh, what she said. God, Bill, why? That was a perfect setup. Uh, on that note, I might just leave on that one. That was not <laughs> that. That was not necessary. <laughs> no idea why. Oh my God! How, how's that even that? Uh, that's what she said. And Bill, it's, like, you know, it's not. Continue. <laughs> it's not. How, how did that okay, sound? Uh, that's what she said. I'm Ooh. gonna have to go on an apology tour right now, um, <laughs> guys. I am very you're the sorry one, for that. You're the joke. one that's going more derogatory. I am very sorry for that joke. I apologize to anyone who I have offended. Eh, Please forgive me. The only people you're offending is Steve Carell. Okay. <laughs> I can sleep tonight then. I'll and be- believe me, he, he, he won't take much offense to that. So I appreciate anyone who still likes me and respects me. Thank you. <laughs> okay, my apology tour is over. But I mean, long gone summer, it's good. But, you know, I was just telling Patchy Bill, it was a it was pretty, it made me want to sleep a little bit because it was, first of all, it was two hours. That 30 for 30 did not need to be two hours. No, that could have been an hour one. Could have been maybe one yeah. hour, maybe an hour and a half. I would have been okay with an hour and a half. Yeah, definitely like an hour. Insane. I feel like it kind of dragged. I mean, yeah, because, you know, they, well, I, I guess they wanted to tell more of a backstory between Mark McGuire and his run to coming a Cardinals. Uh, player, which didn't need to happen. Like we, we already knew Mark McGuire was already good before yeah. he came to the Cardinals. So like we didn't have to have a backstory for that for sure. Um, could have just gone off. You know, they could have discussed the strike that happened in '94. Yeah, and then led into that season and say, "Hey, here's where it all started." And then boom, McGuire. They didn't even have to give Sosa's backstory. We no. we knew we knew Sosa was made in '98. We knew that was his breakout. And certainly it wasn't his only season where he was bombing home runs. But it was like, you know, he did, certainly didn't need that. By the way, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting notifications. And uh, it seems like uh, Manfred is expected, uh, before I say anything. Okay, we got breaking pod- news. Okay, podcast taped Saturday, June 20th. 20th. First day of summer. Um, More Saturday. Saturday, June 20th, this was taped. So, obviously, things once it's released, things could have changed. So, I just wanted to make that point. But uh, according to Bleacher, oh, this is according to John Heyman. Um, MLBPA rejects delays proposal, and the commissioner is expected to intervene and set the 2020 schedule. So, it's looking more like a season's going to be forced upon the players. And this is the players' fault, you know. The players said when and where, and now they cannot get mad when Rob Manfred decides to impose a season, implement a season, I mean. No, the worst thing, they don't have to play. They can say no to playing. The players shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and then if they want to file a grievance, here's the deal. You can file a grievance. You can say, well, the owners didn't open their books, so how do you know they, they couldn't pay us whatever amount of money? And so, yeah, they can make that argument. It's a fair argument. You know what the owners can say? You said when and where. So we're we going to give you right here. Yep, you, you, and Tony Clark, and everyone, every player involved that was on Twitter complaining said when and where. So now you are going to have this short season, 
And whether you like it or not, you're going to have to play because you said you were reports. So if the players go crying later, that's them. But now you, you got to admit, though, to be, to be fair, though, the players do have a bigger complaint, though, because you got to be worried about the teams that are having the breakouts of this virus. Right. So, yeah, and again, season may not even happen because of that. So that's, a, that's another point that, of course, we have to make. Uh, but getting back to long gone summer, yeah, they, they certainly did not have to highlight Sammy Sosa's first run with the Rangers and stuff. They didn't have to show more required with the A's. Again, that to me was just dragging on the story a little too long. I would have been okay with here's the home run chase and everything surrounding it. I, w- I was very okay with like the going into the season, how things were, but definitely did not have to highlight early seasons because again, we knew Mark McGuire was very good before going to the Cardinals. And I didn't even know what's his face. Like Ken Griffey Jr. was actually in the race for a bit. Yeah, how about that? Ken Griffey, it was supposed to be Griffey and McGuire. But then no, Sosa came was like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'll do it. And I liked how they like emphasized like after McGuire hit sixty two, okay, he was a single season home run champ, but I liked how they say, Hey, it wasn't over yet. No. It was to see who could finish on top after they both broke 62. Yeah. And then because after that, Sammy Sosa hit like three home runs. Yeah. He was he very, was, he was quick to get to that mark as well, 62. So, and go ahead. Okay, can, can you believe that Sammy Sosa did not spend one day on top of the home run list that year, uh, the single season home run list? Uh, I can't believe that is, that is crazy. So Mark McGuire either tied it or regained the lead. Sosa never led. That is crazy. I, I, I knew he had passed McGuire at some point, but I, I didn't think it would, it, would take, it would take Mark McGuire that quick to get back on track. <laughs> but, of course, you know, well, obviously, you know, Mark McGuire was a home run hitting machine with the Cardinals. So Now the question is, who can beat Bonds' home run record for one season? Ooh. I mean, he has, what, 73? 73. Because he beat it a couple years later. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he, he fucking destroyed it. I mean... Well, he didn't destroy it. He beat it by three. Still. He still... Because no, it was 71, be- right? Because first he was... No, McGuire hit 70. Yes. And Bonds hit 73. Bonds okay. 73, yeah. No, no, I knew that part. I, I, the way you were – I'm sorry, I got a little confused there for a minute. Who do you – who do you think we're going to see that record broken for a while, or do you think it's going to – You know, for a while, I thought that maybe Aaron Judge would be doing it. Maybe Pete Alonzo, because they're both crazy home run hitters. And, you know, both have – it's now Alonzo's record with the single season home run as a rookie. And so – I would hope one of those players, Trout, maybe. Um, I can see Trout. Christian Yelich. I would he's, throw, in the, he's in that one. I would throw Bryce Harper in that conversation, maybe. Bar, Bryce Harper, too. Bryce Harper is a beast. So certainly one of those power-hitting monster players can go in and break Bonds' record. But um, time will only tell. I mean, it's also a very different game than it was back in the day. Now – we're very into the whole, um, you know, small ball um, and strategies and all that type of stuff that maybe that may limit the power hitting. So, you know, and this leads to an interesting question, though. Um, 
And of course, they're also not as tainted as used to be. Go ahead, Bill. A couple things. One, um, do do you think the the race between McGuire and Sosa was like the race between Maris and Mantle? I mean, you're comparing two different eras of the sport. Uh, I mean, it certainly was the more memorable one because, again, this was the home run chase that saved baseball. Well, can I elaborate a little bit? Going great. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, what I mean is because – but I don't think it is like that because when Maris and Mantle were going at it, everybody had their favorite. They wanted Mickey to break. They wanted Mickey Mantle to break it. Right. I feel like in whatchamacall, I feel like people did have favorites when it came to McGuire versus Sosa, but I don't think it was as like prevalent, if that makes sense. Like, you know, if you're a Cubs fan, you wanted Sammy Sosa. If you're a Cardinals fan, you wanted Mark McGuire. But but it transcended a, a whole league. It was a worldwide uh, phenomenon. If you think about it, you know, this changed sports. Like, this was a, a global event this home run chase. Like you have people from around the world that don't, you know, some countries don't even play baseball. They were covering it. Yeah. So, you know, it was a world event. So the, I mean, I would think that the 98 chase was more memorable Not, nothing against Maris and Mantle. Obviously, you know, what Roger Maris did is absolutely incredible. And, you know, he should be. And he was, if you watched when we were talking about my top five favorite sports movies, I talked about a movie called 61. Everybody did not, and they even mentioned in Long Gone Summer, nobody wanted Maris to break that record. They all had their chips on Mickey. Well, spoiler is fun. What was that? Spo- spoiling the fun is fun. Because, you know, Mantle was supposed to be like the next incarnate, like Ruth, Garrick, DiMaggio. But yeah, you're right. One, it was a different era. And you, yeah, there was a part that mentioned even people who didn't even know anything about baseball were still co- were covering it. And now, like, here's the big question. They talked about how certain records were tainted, right? Because of the steroid use in the late 90s, early 2000s. Do you think that we should be looking at these records in a different way because they did them on steroids? I'm going to start with you, Reggie. No, because we, what people have to understand is this. Athletes were using performance enhancers, or I, I call them all steroids, but I, I know they're different types of performance enhancing drugs. But they do it to either recover from injuries or to get them stronger. And it's not going to help you hit a ball. Like you can be on these drugs and suck as well. You understand my point? Obviously, don't get me wrong, it, it does help, but it may not be as powerful. So, look, did it have an impact? Of course it did. But to, to me, is it tainted? Yeah, if you want to argue it's tainted, that's fair. It's a fair argument. Whatever it is, I think that these records are legit because at the end of the day, they still hit. Bonds did 73 home runs. McGuire hit 70 home runs. That's not an easy thing to do. Hitting a home run is not an easy thing to do. Because even you someone know. on the documentary said that even if he wasn't on steroids, I think he still would have broken the record. Yeah, he still would have broken the record. And hitting a ball that coming at you at 90 mile an hour, miles an hour is pretty dope. Like, you know how hard it is to hit a ball that's coming at you at 90 miles per hour? That's not an easy thing to do. And people have different hitting tactics. So... 
you know, the fact of the matter is McGuire hit 70 home runs. If you want to call it legit, I think it's legit, illegitimate, whatever. He still hit 70 home runs. I think it should count. That's the end of the story. It should count. Patch? Um, go off Reg, you know, they're using peds to help better themselves, you know, recover from injury and all that. I think personally that one of the two were, even if they were on steroids, were still two of the greatest hitters at that time. You know, Sosa, I think, could have broken. So could McGuire. You know, everyone thought that Hank Aaron's home run record was untouchable. Bonds came along and beat that. And I firmly believe that Bonds wasn't on steroids either. I think he could have broken the home run record. And here's my thing, because I'll be honest, my view has changed a lot on this. At first, I was in the crowd. I'll be honest, I was in that crowd that was like, that was like any record that was, that was made on steroids should be nullified. That was my previous position. I'm like, any record should be nullified. Like, no, I was even thinking I would not recognize Bonds as the single season or all-time home run champ. I will not recognize Mark McGuire null and void. But then, but then when I was, you know, but then my position softened. I think the one that really changed my position was on um, Long Gone Summer when Bob Costas Say when everyone says, "Oh, if this was in my, if this was in that era, I guarantee you, um, I guarantee they didn't take steroids." He goes, "Well, how do you know they didn't exist then? Would have they if if they did exist? Like that was made me think. Okay, you know what? Maybe okay. Bonds records should stay. You know what? It's it's just that debatable question. I know. Like okay, you look at David Wells. David Wells took steroids. Do you take away his perfect game? You just don't know." It's always that iffy question. You know what? Some I've heard some people say, you know, how about you just let them all take it? They're it's they're gonna destroy their bodies on their terms. Thank you. They'll destroy their bodies, and you know what? Think of the stuff that could. I'm not saying to say do steroids and see what it can do, but you hear that, kids? Don't do steroids. Don't. I'm, I'm not condoning it. But you look at these players that did steroids. Look what it did to the games. Yeah. No. Well, I honestly, I look. I don't have an issue with people taking steroids as long as they're not just using it to use it. If they're using it to recover, to get themselves a little stronger, you know, if it helps them, then it helps them. You know, I don't really see it as cheating as long as it's done safely. And, you know, I'll bring, I'll bring up a little bit of a point. Look at A-Rod. He got axed for a year. Just to think, what if you let him play for that year? How many home runs he hit? We could be looking at another member of the 700 club. Exactly. And if not, he could be sitting second, maybe all time. If not third, I'm not saying I mean, he catches. I mean, he 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 certainly would would have benefited he benefited from that year off. If you think about it, because he was able to, you know, go off in 2015. You know the way Rod did in 2014. I don't know if he would have that same effect because you know he's coming off hip issues. He has no time to rest. So you never know. But I certainly agree that, you know, he would be he would be he would be at seven hundred home runs right now. He's oh, still he four show. Still four he's missing four. And um speaking of A Rod, Patch, this is the absolute last time I'm going to do this. This is like a band retiring their biggest hit. There was a joke back at Duchess that I really hated A Rod. 
and <laughs> I always went into this weird rage. But now he despised A Rod. I've He's... outgrown that, and I've decided have... to move on with my life. Yes. So for, so for the very last time, do you mind if I do this just one last time? Go. Go <laughs> I look how me and Reg both took our headphones out for that. What was that? Yeah, yeah. Me, me and Reg both took our headphones out. Wet. All right, let me do it. Now yeah. we're back. Like that is literally the last time I will do that. Yeah, and I and and I remember during that time I spent months trying to convince Bill that A Rod was a better than you think he is as a teammate because he's a good he's a one he's a good guy and I still thought of that whether he took steroids or not. It's a shame that man only has one ring. Yeah, that that is a shame, and he could have done it a few times, but he could have. But I am jealous of him right now. <laughs> yeah, oh. he, yeah, he could be the owner of the Mets, and he has J-Lo. Exactly. One positive, one negative. Yeah, <laughs> one positive. One. You know yeah, what? But Here's how far I will go to show I change. A-Rod, I will, we will gladly have you on this podcast. We will give you an open invite. You know what? If, if we got him, he's still coming on without your approval. <laughs> no, no, I would accept it. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to have A-Rod and Tom Brady one day together for you. <laughs> okay, A-Rod and Will DeBudgeon. Brady, that's a... <laughs> Fine, you can miss that show. And what would what, Brady being on? <laughs> no, I'd come on. I might have to um, I might have to go to confession afterwards, but... Oh, stop it. Oh, you'd love to be able to fly on the wall during that, wouldn't you? Oh, that would be, be like me not letting any Viking on because I'm a Packer fan. Anyway, moving on. So, um, yeah, long gone summer. I thought it was good. I thought it had some good info in it. But, again, I think it just dragged. It was a snooze ass, to be honest with you. You know, look, at the end of the day, it was good. One, it was good to see Sammy Sosa. My goodness, does he look good. Um, but yeah, he's a good guy, too. Yeah. I, I, who doesn't like Sammy Sosa? And, and here's the thing. I like how, at the end, Sammy Sosa was very happy with his 66 home runs. Very happy with his MVP, you know, and, you know, the fact that he's okay, he's at peace of where he is. And, and, I and think that's him, important because – And him and are still good friends, I think. I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that, but, you know, certainly that wouldn't surprise me uh, because I'm that, sure was, they probably that, was, that was a bond. Sure. And McGuire like, even said, you know, we don't really talk much, but during that time – it was pretty cool to watch. It was pretty cool to experience that with him, with Sammy. Yeah. So, yeah. So, is that – that's the last 30 for 30 for a while, isn't it? Just for now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's a, a way-and-see game. Okay. And now we got to talk about the thing that's going to put Reg in the nuthouse. Mm-hmm. Please. Reg, take – you have the floor. Oh, God. Uh, when, when the Jets – this is a huge issue – with my football team, they are always going to find ways to piss off their fans. And, you know, it, it's always, it always rubs it in to your thick body, your skull, every part of it that just makes you want to get so angry. It's, I'm just, it's devastating. But Jamal Adams requested a trade. And look, to me, the issue is with both the Jets and Jamal Adams. The Jets, I get it. It's a tough time. We don't know what the salary cap's going to look like. 
You have to worry about your other players, your draft picks, Sam Darnold. You still have Le'Veon Bell under contract. You know, he, he can obviously get out of that next year or so. But, you know, you still have that to worry about. You couldn't find a way to negotiate with this man. Like, you're going to just stall your negotiations with Jamal Adams. It, to me, it's, it's just heartbreaking. On the other hand, good wins Jamal Adams. Because what people, you have to understand something. This is a business we're talking about here. And you guys know this. This is, this is the industry. If teams are going to call about you, first of all, you should embrace it. Secondly, the general manager has to do his job to make sure the team is set up for success. And the fact that Jamal Adams can't understand that is very frustrating. I get you want to be the highest paid safety in the league. You, we don't need you to be the highest paid safety in the league. We just need you to be good. We just need you to be a safety that does a great job. We need you to transform your position. You're there for a reason. And you're in New York. Imagine winning a title in New York, and you have a great chance of doing that. If the Jets do everything right, you have a chance to do that. Like you're going to be beloved. You would be over the moon. Oh, my God. So the fact that Jamal Adams has this idea that he could request a trade because the Jets are not willing to talk to him is absolutely insane. Good riddance. And if I'm Joe Douglas, if you can find a suitable partner, go for it. Trade him. Get him out of here. Goodbye. Get something back. If the Jets pull the ball on this, then, you know, they're – they're the worst team ever. But still, Jamal Adams cannot whine like a baby at like a shithole. Just do your job and wait until you're able, until they're able to tell you, we can sign you to a long-term deal. He couldn't even do that. So it's frustrating on, on both ends. Um, for the most part, it's on Jamal. Why are you requesting a trade? And then, on top of requesting a trade, you list seven teams or so that you want to be traded to, and all of those teams, if they get traded to any of those teams, you're not asking for an extension right away. So then what the hell was the point of requesting a trade because you wanted to sign a contract extension? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, that shit. makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, I got to love it. So, you know, look, the Jets are a very dis- disorganized franchise. They're very dysfunctional. I don't like it. They're, they're not a good organization. But the fact of the matter is, this is on Jamal. You know, the fact that it, he wants to get more money when we don't even know what, these, what salary cap is going to look like, not just for this year, but for down the road, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly insane. And frustrating. Reggie for Jets GM. <laughs> no, I like Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas is doing, doing a good job, but he did. But the fact that he stalled on the Jamal thing is, is also pissing me off because it's like, why are you stalling on the Jamal thing? So um, talk to him. Talk to him. Don't back out. Don't just say no. We're just not going to talk. You know, reassure him that you are his number one. We lost Bill again. Reassure him that you are going to be the number one priority. Bottom line. And he didn't do that. But Jamal Adams, shame on you for um, bitching about a contract extension right now 
when now is not a good time, especially since, again, the Jets don't even know how much they can spend. It's, it's that wait and see game, as the old saying goes. Wait and see to see what happens. Wait and see. Yeah, and the Jets are also – I think the Jets are going to trade them. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. You're going to see them end up in one of three places, New England, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. or he's going to go to Pittsburgh. I, I can see him going to Tampa Bay. I think he would be lethal. One, Todd Bowles is there. So, Todd Bowles, I think he loved, he loved Todd Bowles' system. So, you know, it's certainly possible that he can land in there. And if he does, my goodness, is that team going to be loaded? Uh, can you say 16-0? and 0? <laughs> Can you say 19-0? Can you say uh, don't want to uh, – maybe. I'll, I'll go 16-0 to start. 16-0? I would love to. I would love to see uh, the the Bucks are what NFC, NFC, NFC South. So, would love to see the Bucks and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But just imagine Brady if, going if, against. If, if it does, and Tom Brady beats the Patriots, that would be absolutely hilarious. He would become, I think, only the third quarterback to beat all thirty-one teams. Yeah. No, wait, he'll become the fourth because you have, you have Favre, Breeze, and Manning, Peyton Manning, mm. to beat all 31 teams. That's, that's incredible. No, wait, all, all 30 teams, my bad, all 30 it, teams. It, 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 it's, to me, it's absolutely incredible. But imagine, imagine if the Patriots, losing what they lost, goes to the Super Bowl – at that point, you have to you have to give Bill Belichick credit. You would give Bill Belichick the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, all the credit. Now he gets all the credit. You put him. You it, it would be Belichick Lombardi. I would hate to say it, and that's, that's fair. That that's that, that it's fair. It's totally fair because you know. I mean, you're not going to see them. You're, you're not going to see them go. Hey, now we're giving Bill Belichick. As the Vince Lombardi, you're gonna not see Vince Lombardi get taken off the trophy, but you would definitely put those two at the top of the tier. Yeah, totally. We're still trying you to get do, built. Go ahead. We do it anyways. Like right, like of, I personally, I mean, it's Lombardi then Belichick, but it can be vice versa, and I'm not mad with it. Just imagine those two coaches squaring off against each other. Oh my God! Imagine that. That goes back. Yay, Bill. Back for the hundredth time. Sorry, guys. All right, what are you guys saying? We're just, talking, we're, we're just spouting a lot of stuff about Bill Belichick and stuff. Our conversation about Jamal Adams led to this idea that he could be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Do you, think, do you guys think that would be a good fit for him? Or? Oh, be, God. It would be an amazing fit for him. Oh, I mean, uh, they don't, the Tampa Bay doesn't need him, but it would be a great fit. Todd Bowles is there right now and can ultimately, ultimately become the next head coach once Bruce Arians resigns again. So you never know. So, yeah, you don't know. But uh, totally, I think that um, the whole Jamal Adams thing is very messy right now. Uh, the Jets should be ashamed for, you know, stalling all the talks with him, but Jamal Adams should be even more ashamed for even thinking right now is a good time to pay him up when we don't even know what things are going to look like down the road. Silly, but yeah, we, we we and then of course that conversation led us to talking about this idea that Brady could beat New England in the Super Bowl, or the fact that you know the, the fact that New England can get to a Super Bowl. 
without Tom Brady. That would be a shocker, wouldn't it? I mean, not not really. I mean, knowing the type of coach Bill Belichick is, you never know. That is true. You never know. Yeah. So I as, I, I, as much as I hate to admit it, I think Bill Belichick is the greatest coach since Vince Lombardi, and that's totally. very tough to say. Totally, and that's exactly what Patchy said. Patchy has Lombardi at two, Bill Belichick at one. If Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick has a run to the Super Bowl, I mean, I, you could put him there now, but to see him, he needs to win a Super. Well, he did it before, but winning a Super Bowl now without Brady would solidify it. Well, the guy has eight Super Bowl rings, two with the Giants, six with the Patriots. Oh, you could maybe see a seventh, and New England is the new chief in Super Bowl wins. No one has won seven yet. We will have to wait and see, won't we, guys? Yes, we yep. will. Yep, right now we the Patriots. Next fall, we will see. Yep. Pats and the Steelers, tied at six. Tied at six. Uh, I really think the pa- Patriots have a chance, but you know what? The Steelers may have a chance to reclaim that. Because I love that culture in Pittsburgh. The terrible towels. Yeah, it's not mess. It's not as messy as many other teams are. And I love the head coach. I love uh, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is cool. I like him too. He's cool. Oh, he's dude. he's dope, man. And the fact that he continues to make this team a success is unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, guys. So, anything else? Do you think we're good for the day? I think we're all good for the day, man. That was pretty awesome. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Daniel Aarons for coming on to Dan, the Dan, thank show. you so much. We will put a link to his foundation in the description below. And again, Dan, any anytime you want to come back, you have an open invite. Totally. And, of course, yes, uh, websites, familyballparkmemories.org. Or Not com. Not com. Org. Exactly. Okay, so, uh, and guys, I just want to – I want to just give a quick moment of appreciation. Um, first of all, I want to apologize for my internet keeps shit in the bed. That's yeah, all good. We were able to manage without you. Um, so, Thanks for carrying the show in those couple minutes where I couldn't be on. Yep. So, but like I said, hopefully the optimum's coming tomorrow and this thing will be fixed. You, you have that? You have that internet provider, cable provider? Yeah, we can talk about that off air. <laughs> um. I'm, we're not sponsored by them. I'm just saying. You're <laughs> not sponsored by them. Oh, God. Not yet. Never know. Never know. What's gonna but happen? anyway, um, well, yeah, that's our show for today, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Um, like, comment, subscribe on, here on YouTube. Spit um, it out, Bill. What was that? I said spit it out. On, follow us on Podbean on Spotify, and on Apple Podcast. Moving up. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Instagram and the website are soon to come. I'm working no, on We're it. working on We are working on that. Yep. yep. So We'll, we'll, we'll get all that, inf- we'll get all that a, info out soon. No, we'll a, see you next time, next week. Um, I'm Bill Murphy. I am Lawrence Patchman Lang. Shout out to all the fathers. Tomorrow. Yes. 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 Let's June to all the dads, let's, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, um, let, let, let's do that. To all the dads out there, happy Father's Day. Love you, Dad. Yeah, Daddy, love you. You're, you're a great man. You are, uh, you're special in my life. Thank you for so much for being supportive of all my dreams. And shout out, shout out to um, my father, Parent Apache. 
know, great dad. Um, hopefully, I uh, hopefully I get to see him tomorrow for it. But yeah, you guys are playing the, golf, right? I <laughs> know. Uh, I'm going golfing with friends, and oh, then okay. and then I'm gonna probably go see my dad because he because he because he can't swing a golf club at this time. So, okay. but so but, well, 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 let's hope for that because you know yeah. having a special bond with your dad is amazing. Yeah, exactly, it really is. Yeah, and and of course you know when when uh, Dan was on earlier talking about his early memories of the ballpark with his father, you know it. That's how it, that that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to have these good memories. So Absolutely. for all so for all of you with fathers out there, you know, me, Patchy, Bill, we're all lucky. We have dads out there. There are many people that are not that lucky. So if you have a dad, please give them your love today. Tell them you love them. Celebrate Father's Day with them. Call them if you have to. Exactly. It is very important. You don't have a lot of time with your parents. So please respect them, show them their love, and be grateful that they're still around. Exactly. Yeah. All so, right, guys. So that is our, um, on that note, that is our show for today. This has been Sports Insanity Podcast Episode 9. Double digits next week, baby. Double digits next yeah. week. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, shout out to us because we made it work. We're making it work, boys. Two months and one. We're making it work in two. We still haven't got thrown off the internet yet, so. Yeah, you're the one that keeps cursing, though. Oh, it's the internet. Nobody cares. Eh, some people might care, but that, that, that's a side tangent for a different day. All right, guys. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. This has been the Sports Insanity Podcast. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Peace. Peace, guys. Happy Father's Day to all the dads.